God, thank you so much for, for being with us. And we just recognize you're here. Holy Spirit, you're in the room. You're, you're moving and you're speaking to each one of us in different ways. God, we pray that we would recognize how you're trying to speak to us today. What you're wanting to do. God, I pray that every distraction that would keep each of us from connecting with you. God, help it to be silenced. Help us to push through it so that we can get what you want from, for us today. Amen. All right. Um, you may not be able to tell from my boyish good looks, but I'm not all that young anymore. So that means I was alive and learning to drive when the only directions you could get were from a map. Like paper maps. I had one in the back seat of my car that I could reach in, pull out when I didn't know where I was going so that I wouldn't get lost. I mean, I started driving before the days of TomTom. And if you know what TomTom is, you're probably over 40. I mean, that's when I learned to drive. So getting lost was a real thing. It was a real thing in life. Like we didn't have pocket GPSs wherever we went. That's right. We didn't have those things. Like we, those things weren't available to us. So if you didn't know where you were going, you had to rely on the kindness of a stranger to help you out. And you had to believe that they actually knew what they were talking about. That they knew where you were going. Or you, you had to print off your directions. I checked out MapQuest is still a thing. No joke. I was like, I, I Googled it today. I was like, this week I was like, wow, it's still there. You like have to have a subscription for it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know that you guys are landing on the right market strategy, but you know what? You're going for it. So MapQuest is still a thing. Now, what that means is the advantage that I, that I have is that I, I developed a keen sense of direction. At least I thought I had developed a keen sense of direction. You know, one time my wife and I were going to a, uh, to a wedding. It was one of my high school friends. I wanted to, to be at this wedding. And so we drove back to my hometown, which I grew up in the DFW area. So when I say hometown, it's like a big hometown, you know. So I drive back there and I'm like, all right, we're going to go to this wedding. I print off the directions and look at them, but forget them at the house. But I'm like, you know what? I'm from here. I got this. I mean, granted, I don't live here anymore. I'm married now. I'm through college. I've got a kid at home. My parents are watching the kids. So I'm like, all right, I'm in my mid-20s. I, I've been driving for a long time. Surely I can figure out how to get there. Well, about 15 minutes before the wedding, we're still not there. About five minutes before the wedding, we're still not there. About 15 minutes into the wedding, we're still not there. Wedding is over. Reception has started. We're still not there. Christy's doing her best to try to help me. She's trying to encourage me. I'm having none of it. I'm like... Don't talk to me. I will figure this out. Ultimately, 
I never figure it out. End up not finding it, not getting there, and I just lose it. And not like angry lose it, but I, I literally pulled over and just started crying. And she's like, whoa, this is unusual for you. What is happening right now? Because getting lost is troubling. When we feel lost, it makes us feel uncertain. You know, it's one thing to feel like you're lost on the road. But it's a totally another thing to feel like you're lost in life. When you feel completely uncertain about what you're supposed to do. When it feels like your world has been flipped upside down. And you just, you don't know what to do. You even wonder, how on earth did I get here? What, what went wrong? What mistake did I make? What wrong turn did I did I, go, did I go down the wrong street? Did I make the wrong choice? Did I, did I believe the wrong thing? And you will start to analyze everything when you start to feel lost in life. You'll start to review every decision that you've made and try to dissect, was that the one that got me to this point? Because it's an unsettling thing to feel lost. You know, See, the truth is, is we are not all that confused about what we want from life. And you might be like, hold on, I am. But on a base level, we all are actually pursuing the same things. At a base level, I'm not talking about what job do you feel like you're supposed to do or, or what neighborhood you want to raise your kids in so you can have them in this school and, and where you want your, your 5, 10, 20-year plan. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking at a base level, we all want the same thing. We all want to be loved and accepted. We all want happiness and satisfaction from our life. And we all want meaning and purpose. I don't know that I've ever met somebody that's like, you know what, I want my life to be sad, discouraging, and really, really pointless. No one says that. Because that's not what we want from life. We're clear on a base level. This is what I want from life. I want to be loved. I want to be accepted. I want to have meaning and purpose. I want my life to be satisfying. Satisfaction is different to each one in each different season. But I want to have that sense of satisfaction and happiness. You know, but those things, we can feel like those things are shaken. Like it's uncertain. Because we, we pick up the, the paper. And by paper, we mean iPhones and iPads. And we read that the economy is not what we would like it to be. And we start to question, what's this going to do to my life satisfaction? Is it going to rebound? Am I going to rebound from this? You know, we start to, to read about nations 
bickering with each other. And when nations bicker, it's, it's different than when you're, you and your neighbor bicker. And it creates real anxiety about what is the world going to look like. It creates real worry. You hear the conversations of culture. And what is normalized now that 10 years ago wasn't even a thought has become normal in culture and you're wrestling as a parent and you're going, how on earth am I going to raise kids in this? What is their life going to look like? And it starts to make those, even those base level desires feel like you've left the map. I don't know where we are. I feel lost in life. Everything feels uncertain. I feel like I am living in troubling times. And the question is, is what do we do when we feel like we're living in troubling times? How do we respond? Is there a response? When life throws at us nothing but bad news, where do we go? What do we do? There's a story in, in John chapter 14 that, that I think addresses this. And, and in this, what we're going to, I think actually if we can grab hold of it, and, and when I say grab hold of something, I mean, all right, I'm going to grab hold of this, and I may not fully get it yet, but I'm not going to let go until it starts to get in me. So if we can grab hold of what Jesus is going to say today, the scripture that we're going to lean into, and we can grab hold of it and say, God, would you help this get in me in the midst of what's going on in my life? That it'll leave us different and it'll completely change our lives. And you're like, wow, that's a radical statement. Well, that's great because we're going to dive into probably the most radical statement that Jesus ever said. So, so buckle up and hang on because he's going to say some pretty radical things today. And we're going to read them together. In John chapter 14, it starts off and Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. If that's the very first verse in the chapter, you probably need to go, hold on. I think I stepped into a conversation midstream. I don't know how many times I've started a conversation and said, don't let your heart be troubled, Noah. Like, Wait, hold on. What are you talking about? All right, why are their hearts troubled? Let's get some context for what's going on. John chapter 13, I'm not gonna read it all to you. I'm gonna tell you what has happened. Why Jesus need to tell them, don't let your hearts be troubled. They're having like their last interaction together. This is like one of the last moments Jesus is gonna have with his disciples before he goes and dies on the cross. So here in this interaction, Jesus shares some bad news with them. You might think, oh, did he say, hey, I'm going to go die on the cross? No. He actually gave them three pieces of bad news. You know, the first one is he, he looks at the group and he says, hey, guys, um, I know we've been doing life together for the last three years. We've traveled all over the place. You've seen each other you know, we've seen healings and miracles take place and we've been thick as thieves here and we're, we're best buds. But by the way, one of you is going to betray me tonight. Oh, and then you're, you're all going to leave me. 
And Peter, I know you're probably thinking it's not you. You're going to do it three times. And then after that, if that wasn't bad enough, I'm leaving and I'm going to a place that you can't go. This is in like one dinner. Can you imagine asking a friend to go out to dinner and then they drop three bombshells on you and you're like, wait, wait, what just happened? I mean, context here. Jesus is sitting with his closest followers. They are best friends. They have shared life together in a way that is sometimes really hard for us to wrap our heads around. They have walked from town to town, figuring out how are we going to eat? What are we going to do? Seeing life-altering things happen. And in one dinner, he looks at them and says, there's a traitor in your midst. You're all going to deny me and I'm leaving, and you can't come. Their world has been flipped upside down. And before you think you can't relate, think about the last few years. We have experienced things that have flipped our world upside down. Our hearts are more troubled than we've given ourselves the allowance to feel. You may feel like you breezed through the last few years. Like it really didn't impact you. Let me tell you something. Your soul felt it deeper than you've allowed yourself to realize. The world got flipped upside down. Things changed. There was tensions. There was confusion. There still is. The soul can feel things that we don't always have language for. And it throws us. We need to hear Jesus say, just like they said, don't let your hearts be troubled. We need to hear the words that are meant to comfort. Jesus just dropped a lot of bad news on them. Their hearts are shaken. Their minds are worried. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I want to help you here. I want to help you. He goes on to tell them, you believe in God, so also believe in me. In my Father's house, there's, there's many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, then I will come back and I'll take you with me. I'll take you to where I'm going. You know the way that I'm going. All right, that's a, that sounds kind of confusing. What is Jesus trying to say? He's like saying, hey guys, I know what you're really longing for. You're really longing for the Father's house. Where the, what the Father's house is, is the place where I find love and acceptance. The place where I find real happiness and satisfaction. The places, that's where I find meaning and purpose. And, I, and Jesus is telling them, hey, I know that one of you is going to be a traitor. One of you is going to deny me and, and I'm leaving and none of you can come. But here's what I'm actually doing. I'm going 
to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to bring you to that place. See, his desire is to bring us to that place where our souls are satisfied. Where our lives find meaning and purpose because we find connection and understanding with him. You know what? Jesus' words were a comfort to them. Do you know that only 11 of the 12 got to hear those words of comfort? Because only 11 stayed at the table. You know, as I was reading this this week, I just felt this whisper from, from God saying, stay at the table. When life gets hard, stay at the table. When you get bad news in life, stay at the table. When it doesn't go your way, when you're disappointed, when you're afraid, when you're uncertain, stay at the table. Stay in the rhythm of meeting with God. Stay in the rhythm of, of coming close to him. Stay at the table. Because that's where you get the words of comfort that you need. That's where you get the help that you need. When you get up and you leave the table, all you're left with is yourself. And let me tell you something, yourself is not going to be what you need. The self is not going to help you. They stayed at the table and they got exactly what they needed. But you know what? They were just as confused by what was going on. They've gotten bad news. Jesus has told them that he's going to prepare a place for them. And they're like, okay, hold on. You're, you're saying this is the way, but we can't go that way. And then, and then what, what's actually, Jesus, how are we supposed to know where you're going? And I love what happens right here in verse five. Thomas asked a question. And you know what the disciples' questions tell us? Is they didn't quite understand. You ever feel like you're, you're, you're reading your Bible and you're like, I don't quite get it. It doesn't make sense. Uh, this, I'm, I'm, I'm travel, having trouble tracking here. You're in good company. I mean, the disciples were sitting with Jesus and they didn't get it. Sometimes in life, we're not going to get it. That's why we stay close to the table and we keep asking, God, what are you saying? What does this mean? Can you give me more? Can you help me? Lead me, God, help me see what I don't see. And Thomas just asked a really simple question. He's like, uh, Lord, so um, you, you just told us that you know the way, we know the way you're going. But we don't even know where you're going. So how on earth are we supposed to know the way to where you're going? You can hear this, the confusion and, and Thomas trying to, to wrestle this through. And this is where Jesus is about to give some extreme clarity. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the extreme clarity moment. And Jesus answers, answers him and says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. You guys are wondering about how do you have trouble? How do you have peace in troubling times? How do you get to where you want to go in life? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I think this is the most freeing statement that Jesus has ever said to us. You might hear it and go, well, that sounds actually like maybe the most restrictive statement that I've heard. You mean there's one way? 
That doesn't seem very tolerant. In fact, Jesus has just given us the most freedom that we could have asked for. Over the last 20 years or so, boundaries has exploded in, in, in social sciences. Actually, in all aspects of society. Boundaries, this idea, this concept of, of boundaries, there's a billion different books that you could find on this subject. And it's infiltrating into every sphere of society. You've got management consultants who are trying to help companies know how do they stop doing everything and focus on a few things to provide for their, for their clients and their customers. You've got therapists and counselors helping people work through individual boundaries for their lives so that they can have healthy relationships. You've got financial coaches helping people say no to certain things so that they can meet their goals for other things. Boundaries have exploded in life. And it's, it's all been in a, mostly a good frame. It's like been the great reframing of boundaries for like the last 20 years. Because I don't know about you, when I grew up, the idea of boundaries was not good. I'm like, no, 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 don't give me boundaries. I want free reign. Let me tell you something. You don't really want free reign. Boundaries help us say yes to the right thing and then say no to everything else. When I say yes to the right thing, then I can let go of the distraction of everything else. If I say I'm going on a date at six o'clock with my wife tonight, no matter what else is offered to me, I've got plans for six o'clock. So I don't even have to think about it. When Jesus says that I am the way, he is setting us free. Because now all the other ways that are being put in front of us, we can just go, it's not Jesus. If it's not Jesus, then it's not the way that I need to go. Because he's, he's told me that the way he's going, that his way leads to the Father's house. Leads to the place where I find love and acceptance. It leads to the place where I find happiness and satisfaction. It leads to the place where I find meaning and purpose. So I want to take that way. I, I like to hike a lot. And you know, I'm in my 40s now, and almost every year of my life, my family has gone to Colorado. And we go in the summer, and we, we hike. And the wonderful thing about hiking is you, you get to these places, these trailheads, and there's a big sign. You know, especially when you're doing one of the big hikes. You, you get there and it says Quandry Peak Trailhead. So you're really clear. This is the way I'm going. And you know what's at the end of that pass. It's going to be Quandry Peak. But I can't take Boreas Pass and expect to end up at Quandry Peak. I know I'm using names that you don't know. But I can't take one path and get to the wrong one. I can't say that I want to get to the Father's house and choose secularism. I can't say I want to get to the Father's house and choose individualism. 
I can't say I want to get to the Father's house and choose my political party as my religion. All other religions don't lead to the Father's house. Buddhism, Islam, name them. They don't lead to the Father's house. Jesus says, not I'm a way to the Father, but I am the way to the Father. He is the way. It's a narrowing choice, yes. But narrowing does not mean restrictive. Narrowing means freeing. You are now clear. Okay, I've chosen the way of Jesus. Because I've chosen the way of Jesus, I've chosen Jesus as the truth. So what defines my truth now is not anything outside of Jesus. So what is true is what is in Jesus. So what did Jesus say about forgiveness? He said that he's given it freely to us. So that means for me that I receive forgiveness even when I don't feel like I deserve it. That means I, I may not feel like I'm worthy of grace because of what I've been doing, because of what I've been living, but I receive grace. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, and my truth is that my grace has been given to you. At the same time, he says, now forgive so that means my truth now is that I forgive. Not just once or twice, but again and again and again. Even to people I feel like they don't deserve it. Because Jesus taught that we are to forgive. It means that my new truth is that persecution will be part of following him. That he said that I will be persecuted for his namesake because of my choice to say yes to him. That people will mock me, they will ridicule me, they will argue with me, they will slander me. They might try to hurt you in some way. But Jesus also said that blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. There's actually reward in heaven for you when you're persecuted. So my truth is that, yes, I will be persecuted, but I'll be blessed because of it. When Jesus is my way and Jesus is my truth, it redefines for me how I live my life means I don't worry about what, I don't let what's going on in the economy determine the peace of my soul. It means I don't, I don't let it, it doesn't mean I'm not interested. Hear me. It doesn't mean I'm not paying attention. 
I just need, it doesn't determine the peace of my soul. Because what Jesus said to us from Luke chapter 12, he said, therefore, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food. The body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow, they don't reap. They have no storeroom and barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor and spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed like any one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, then how much more will he clothe you? We don't let what's going on in the world determine the peace of our soul. That's not our truth anymore. Because Jesus is the way. I've chosen that way. So that means he defines what is true for me. He defines what is right. He defines what is good because ultimately where I'm trying to go is is to the Father's house where there's life. That's where we want to land because that's where Jesus is. We want to get to where he is. He is the He's perfect theology for us. You want to know what what God is like? Study the life of Jesus. You want to see how how he treats people? That's what, then study the life of Jesus and see how you should you interact with people. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. You know, and we have choices all the time about which way we go. You know, there's the the big choice of am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to commit my life to Jesus? Am I going to be a Christian? Which means, yes, I am choosing the way of Jesus alone. And I'm going to follow his truth. And I'm going to let him be my life. And each of us have to make that choice. And just, if you're here and you've never made that decision, you're here on spring break on, and on spring forward Sunday, man, God's stirring in your life and he, you, I'm excited for you. But if you're here, the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that we'll be saved. And so as our service wraps up in a little while, this is like my, my first close. There's a second one that I'll do here in a minute. This is just the teaser close. If, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, you say, I want to follow after him for the first time, then our teams will be up here and they'll, they'll pray for you. But, you know, as I was thinking about this this week, is, I was thinking, how do I take my own way? Are there places in my life where I take my own way? 
I've given my life to Jesus. I'm like, I'm yours. I want to follow you. But there's still like times I just decide, you know what? This is too hard. Or this takes too long. God, I've been asking for this breakthrough for a while now and it still hasn't happened. How about I try my own way now? Or life has gotten hard at different places. And it's just, I'm just tired. Maybe that's where you are. Life has gotten hard in a few places and you're just tired. The way of Jesus is tiring to you right now. And so you've done your own way. Maybe you don't understand what's happening or why he's allowed some things to happen in your life. And so you've taken your own way. Just kind of wandered off. Not fully. Don't get me wrong. You're like, hey, I still, yeah, Jesus is still the way. Just maybe not in this area. Maybe he's not the the way in this part of my life. There's a story in John chapter 21. I think it's my favorite story in the Bible. John chapter 21, Jesus has risen from the dead and he's even appeared to the disciples, but he hasn't like stayed with them. So they've seen him, but he's not there. And they're like, what is going on? We thought he died. Now he's alive, but he's not here. And he's not the Messiah that we thought he was. And we're really confused about what's going on. And so Peter stands up and declares to the group, I'm going fishing. It's more than just like a, hey, I'm going to go have some recreational time. Peter says, I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to what I left. I'm going back to my way. I don't know that I can trust this way. Where are you, Jesus? You're here one minute and it seems like you're gone the next. How many many of you feel that in life? Feels like God's here one minute and then he's gone. And Peter's saying, you know what? I'm going fishing. I'm going my own way. I'm good. And so he does. And they all follow him. And they're on the boat, just waiting, trying to fish, and they're catching nothing. And some guy from the shore yells out, throw your nets on the other side. Second time this has happened. And they go, hey, you think that's Jesus? And then Peter realizes that is Jesus. He's standing at the shore. He's shown up where they chose their own way. And what does Peter do? He doesn't wait for the net to be hauled up and and them to grab the oars and row back in. No, Peter jumps straight into the water. Says he would, says the scriptures even say that he had like stripped down to like his undies and and like he was in such a like a state of shock seeing Jesus. He grabs his coat and puts it on and then dives in. It's like you had set down your cell phone and then you see Jesus across the water and so you pick up your cell phone and put it in your pocket and then dive in. He's just discombobulated because he's seeing that Jesus has showed up where he chose his own way. 
You know, I've, I've been asking myself all week, God, where, show me the places where I've chosen my own way. Where life has gotten hard, maybe it's got confusing, maybe I'm frustrated that you haven't shown up in the way that I wanted you to. God, would you show me where I've chosen my own way? And would you help me to respond like Peter? Not waiting for the boat to come back in, but diving in and getting to you as quick as I can. Diving in and getting back to you and saying, God, I've chosen my own way. Would you help me? Would you help me? Jesus is, he's, he's here in the room. So this morning, that's what I want us to do. Why don't you go ahead and stand? I want us to just take a moment to respond by simply asking the question, God, where have I chosen my own way? I want to ask you to do something. Just take a moment and close your eyes. Just ask God to reveal to you if there's any place in your life where you've chosen your way over his way. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's with some aspect of your career, your, your finances. Maybe it's, it could be anything. Let God reveal it to you. And the band's gonna lead us in one more song before we, we go. But as we worship to this song, I wanna encourage you this area that God has revealed to you, if he's revealed one that you've chosen your own way, I want you to respond in your heart to him. Each response is gonna be different. Yours just may be to worship him. Yours may be to get on your knees and, and apologize, say, God, I've chosen my own way. But whatever, you, whatever the response is, say, God, I choose to come back to your way because you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. There's o- you're the only way that I'm gonna get there. And let's choose this moment to just respond again and say, God, I come back to the way of Jesus. I come back to the truth of Jesus. And I I need the life of Jesus in me.